0: Okay, as so I was getting around uh, Gungalan earlier this week, uh, notice that there's a sign outside one of the apartment towers that are being built. The sign gives us a slogan, that's a vision, I guess for life, if you were to live in these new apartments. Uh, it tells us why, it tells me why I should invest in one of these apartments that are going up. This is the slogan. Life is meant to be brilliant. And we all want life to be great, don't we? We all want to be happy. We want to be content. We want to be successful. We want to be fulfilled. Yet, most of us probably know that moving into a new apartment, even a brand new apartment, will not necessarily make life brilliant, will it? Uh, Anyone who has bought a brand new place, especially one that's off the plan, can be pretty sure that there'll be a a likely delay with the contractor in finishing off and you won't get to move in on the date that you hope to move in on. Uh, No reflection on any of those kind of contractors who are here uh, today. It's always outside of your control, isn't it? Anyone who has moved into a new place uh, will know that perhaps the colour scheme or the tile pattern or the tap fixtures might be wrong in at least one of the rooms. You might have noisy neighbours, especially living in an apartment tower, and in the apartment towers round about Gungahlin, you can be pretty sure that you're going to have an up-close scenic view for the next two years while the apartment tower next door is built, Not so brilliant, is it? What makes life brilliant? What would make your life brilliant? Well, the Bible tells us about a brilliant life. The Bible tells us about the brilliant life that Jesus offers. The life that Jesus gives We've already looked at this verse once this morning, but we're going to look at it again because this is the verse that's got to be burned into our memories. What John tells us in his true story gospel, he says that these things are written that you may... Great work. And that uh, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by... You may have... Life in his name. This is the life... That Jesus came to give. Earlier in John chapter 10 where Jesus tells us about him being the good shepherd, this is what he has to say, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This life that Jesus gives, that Jesus came to give, this life is brilliant. It's a physical life, a life of breath and heart beating, but more. It's a spiritual life of being in relationship with God. It's a resurrection life of being raised to new life into eternity. This life is good It goes on forever and it starts now. Now as we come to John chapter 12, we come to a bit of a turning point in John's Gospel. The first 11 chapters... The first half of John's Gospel is about seeing the signs that Jesus does so we might believe that He is the Christ Messiah, that we might believe He's the Son of God, and by believing we have life in His name. That's what goes on in the first half of John's Gospel. As we come to chapter 12 and head into the second half of John's Gospel, here we start to see what life with Jesus looks like. And we're going to see, from today and in the weeks to come, that that this life is a life that is lined up with Jesus' glory. To understand what's going on in these uh, last 10 chapters of John's Gospel, we need to appreciate the background of the Jewish Passover. Now, you and I know that Jesus is headed to the cross. It is no surprise that by the time we get to the end of John's true story gospel about Jesus, he is going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified, he's going to die on the cross and then he's going to uh, come back to life again. John doesn't want us to be surprised by that, he even mentions it along the way, he tells us what's going to happen. But there's some important background here from chapter 12 and in the chapters that come about the Passover... It's mentioned in chapter 11, verse 55. It's mentioned in the first sentence of chapter 12. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany. As we come over to chapter 13, next Sunday, verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. It's an important bit of background. Passover was something that happened way back in the Old Testament, thousands of years before the time that Jesus came amongst his disciples. From the time when God's Old Testament people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt. Remember Moses and the Pharaoh and God sent the plagues in judgment on Pharaoh? Like the signs in John's Gospel to show Pharaoh that God was God, God was in charge. And the last sign, the last plague, was the plague of death, the death of the firstborn son. But God's people would be kept safe if they took a lamb a particular lamb that God had appointed and they took the blood of that lamb when they killed it and put the blood on their doorposts and the lamb would be a sacrifice that would die in the place of the firstborn. Now for God's people they continued to remember with an annual celebration this Passover and God's rescuing of them from Egypt. Now, Jesus' death and resurrection that we read about in John's Gospel, it happens right in the midst of the Passover celebrations. Because Jesus' death, like the death of the Lamb in place of the firstborn, Jesus' death is going to be a sacrifice in place of others, a new Passover. Now, we're going to look at verses 23 to 33 again, because I want us to notice about how Jesus talks about His death. He talks about it as a a sacrifice, he talks about it as a lifting up. But have a look in verses 23 to 33 and notice how many times you see the word glorify or glorified. Okay, so Jesus talks about his coming death and resurrection in terms of being glorified. That in doing that he will have glory, he'll have glory from God the Father. The Father's plans for the whole world is that as Jesus comes to his death and resurrection, God's plans is that Jesus be glorified. Now, this is not just a story in ancient history. God's plan for you, now and into eternity, is for Jesus to be glorified. God's plan for me, now and into eternity, is that Jesus be glorified. Everyone that we read about in John chapter 12, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, Mary, Judas, the disciples, all these other people that aren't named, God's plan for them and their life is for Jesus to be glorified. What is going on as Jesus comes to, his, to the cross, His death and His resurrection... It is glorification. It is about Jesus being glorified and not just for that moment, but forever. Okay, that's all Passover background for us to keep in mind. We're now going to look at the first few verses of John chapter 12. So boys and girls, we're over on uh, page 4 now of your handout. Here in chapter 12, we see two different kinds of responses to Jesus and in relation to His glory... One response, we see people who line their lives up with Jesus' glory. And we see another response, people who live for their own glory. Now, this second response, living for their own glory, is what we see in the religious leaders. Against the background of the Passover, this annual remembrance and celebration of the sacrifice of the Lamb in the place of God's people. The Jewish religious leaders here are focused on sacrificing Jesus Uh, but their reasons for sacrificing Jesus, for wanting Him arrested, for wanting Him killed, their reason is for their own political and religious glory. Uh, We heard what the high priest said in our first uh, Bible reading. Uh, He was speaking politically and prophetically that it was better that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. And they set out to have Jesus arrested. They wanted people to report uh, when they found him. In chapter 12, verse 9, as a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith, their belief in him. The Jewish leaders want to, to, to minimize Jesus' influence in the world because that is going to compete with their political and religious glory. Now someone else who is living for their own glory, even amongst Jesus' disciples, is Judas. Verse 4 of chapter 12, when he sees what Mary does with his expensive perfume, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus? What? (laughs) One of his disciples, one of his closest friends? Yeah, John doesn't want us to be surprised by this, Jesus is not surprised by this, this is part of God's plan being worked out for the glory of Jesus but here Judas says, why wasn't this perfume sold? He objects, "Why wasn't the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Here we find out his motivation, not Jesus' glory but his own, verse 6, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. You see, Judas' life, it lines up with the religious leaders, not for Jesus' glory. I want to just show you one other group of people who have this response as well. Down in verse 42, some others amongst the religious leaders who had some kind of civic role amongst uh, God's people had an interest in Jesus. They had seen the signs and they were warmed towards him. But see what happens in verse 42? At the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, the leader leaders, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For, here's what shows their heart, verse 43, they loved praise from men more than praise from God. They loved their own glory more than Jesus' glory. You see, sadly, they're more concerned about their reputation with the religious leaders. This is a wrong response to Jesus, a response that is concerned more for their own glory. But we see a right response in Mary. What she does is recorded in just one verse, yet it is a very rich example of a life lined up with Jesus' glory. There's three aspects for us to note about what it was for her to live for Jesus' glory. The first one is this, she did something that was costly. Uh, the, The perfume, the oil that she took to anoint, perfume, Jesus' feet, we're told is worth about a year's wages. That is an extravagant gift. That is costly. That is not loose change for her. That is something that is precious, that was set aside. Another preacher that I know, when he was preaching on this passage last year with his church... As, we were, as they were working out what it would mean to be costly, he put the challenge out for them that somewhere in his congregation's life we might feel the burden of giving a year's salary to gospel work. Wow! When we start to think about would we give a year's salary for something, we start to get a sense of what Mary did and gave up, that it was costly what she, was, what she did. Now the second thing she did in aligning her life with Jesus' glory was uncomfortable for her. Uh, people would have looked at her as she did this. Some people would have thought she was foolish. Judas objected to it but we know that in his own heart he was seeking gain for himself. Uh, the other disciples round about would go, what are you doing Mary, uh, there's some sense in which what she did was shameful, letting her hair down in that culture uh, uh, amongst other people. For her, she would, there would have been some kind of discomfort in what she did, in standing out. Uh, the others round about her would have gone, Mary, this is a little bit extreme. <laughs> uh, Mary, just tone it down a notch. No, but she saw and understand that this was how she was to respond to bring in glory to Jesus. It was costly, it was uncomfortable, but it was timely. She chose to do this now because she understood that now was the time to honour Jesus with what she might have saved for his burial. It was to honour him now. Mary shows us a life that is lined up with Jesus' glory and John would want us to see that this is a brilliant life. A life that is lined up with Jesus' glory is a brilliant life. Now, as we wrap up, let's, I want to make two points about how we might line our lives up with Jesus' glory. How we might live more for Jesus' glory than for our own. Two things. First thing, is to be convinced that Jesus' glory is the best life. Now, sometimes we will believe and be drawn to the slogan that a brilliant life might come through investing in an apartment and living on the 10th floor. We will sometimes think and feel, that sometimes we'll uh, think and feel that a brilliant life will come through all other kind of things that we are surrounded by but the first thing for us to be doing as people who want to line our lives up with jesus glory is to be convinced that living for jesus glory is the best life here's what you can be doing to help yourself in that keep reading john's gospel i put the challenge out at the start of the year that you might read john's gospel again and again and again so much so that you might attempt to become bored with it i don't think you will become bored with it. i've never become bored with John's gospel. Keep reading it over and over and over and especially this second half of John's Gospel because here we see what life with Jesus looks like and we see that it is a brilliant life. We're going to see that it's a life of service, it's a life of peace, it's a life of love. Yeah there is danger in it we're going to see but Jesus gives protection by his Spirit. It's a life of mission This life is good and brilliant. So can I encourage you to be reading over John's Gospel that we might be greatly influenced and shaped to be convinced that living for Jesus' glory is the best life. Now here's the second thing. That changes our mindset, but then we're going to be faced with decisions. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have to do something. Tuesday morning, we're going to be invited to uh, invest in something. Wednesday morning something is going to go wrong in our life. Thursday morning, we're going to get bad news. Uh, Friday, we're going to feel tired and frustration, frustrated and we're going to feel like the godly life is just too hard to keep on with. Saturday, we're going to go, I just want to let my hair down and not think about things for a little while. Next Sunday, we're going to go, I don't know whether I'm going to come to church this weekend. There's all these other good things that I could do. What is it going to look like for us day by day? Here's the thing in every decision that we make, and we've got to work at making this a habit, in every decision, err on the side of being more generous towards Jesus' glory than our own. Now, you got that little principle? In every decision that we make, and you kind of got to make it a bit of a habit because we don't want to heh, kind of evaluate it out all the time, in every decision that we make, err on the side of being more generous towards Jesus' glory then our own that'll help us to test our decisions our motives our actions why we're doing what we're doing and it's more than being a nice good person in the world it's about being so captivated by who Jesus is that his glory stands out in our lives here's a bunch of decisions that might come up in the next little while what do you do with your time what do you do with your money uh, how do you approach your job Study career path, younger people, in, in mapping that out. How you participate on the sporting field. As you, and many of us do, have to do this, think about relocating, not just home, but relocating, moving to a, a new city or a new town. How we approach retirement, when we retire, and then what we do with the years of our retirement. As some of us will go through periods of personal illness, what's it going to look like for us in those times to err on the side of being more generous towards Jesus' glory than our own? Some of us are going to go through seasons where we need to care for other people in their illnesses. In every decision, we will err on the side of being more generous towards Jesus' glory than our own. Now, children and young people, this is what Jesus wants for your family. Jesus wants your family to be a family that is captivated by Jesus' glory, that your family shines out Jesus' glory into the world. So, young people, God has given to your dad and mums, to your dads and mums, to your dad and mum, the job of lining your family up with Jesus' glory. And so sometimes your parents are going to make decisions that might be a bit hard to understand or accept. Because it's going to be about Jesus' glory, not their glory, and not about your glory. Parents, this is what we're called to, right? This is what we want to be doing, and let's keep working at it. Encouraging one another on in it. Uh, Being convinced that aligning our families with Jesus' glory is the best way to do family. It's so easy to be captivated with trying to make our own version of the brilliant life. But let's keep living out Jesus' version, leading children in it. And here for all of us, for all of us, as we are living for Jesus' glory, that we might be showing to the world round about us a truly brilliant life. A life that points to the glory of Jesus and a life that sees other people drawn to belief in Him so that they too might know life. I'm going to share with you a prayer, a prayer that I wrote a few weeks ago as I was reading through the second half of John's Gospel devotionally for myself. I've written a prayer that goes with each chapter. I might not share them with you every week but here's part of the prayer that I wrote for myself a few weeks ago, and I'd like to invite you to make it your own prayer this morning. Prayer for you, the prayer for your family. Prayer, if you agree with me at the end, please say, Amen. Jesus says, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Lord God and Heavenly Father, I believe the words of Jesus and that they are life to me. But I fail to live this out. I confess that I'm more like the Jewish leaders who loved praise from man more than praise from you, God. Please forgive me. Please change me. And enable me to desire and love your glory alone. So that my life might bring more glory to Jesus than it does to me. Amen.